Welcome to the One Degree Shift Podcast, where we learn the little changes that future-proof some of our favorite companies and teams. Here's your host, Eric Termundi. Swish Goswami, man, we've been friends for years. And I'm so grateful to have you on the One Degree Shift Podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It is refreshing to hear your voice again, Eric. I miss you a lot. In a while, man. And as, as the listeners know, I like to get the guests to introduce themselves so that we know where you're coming from, where you're at right now, and, and what's important to you. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Definitely. 95% of Swish right now is a company called Truthan, which I started in December of 2017. What we started off as was a platform that helped influencers, specifically athletes, find who their top fans are. Um, a year and a half pivoted now towards something that is a lot bigger, which is helping brands, both small and big, identify a target audience that we think is likely to convert, whether that is their top fan or a new market. That's the sort of data that we can really churn for them and give them as, as effective insights. We're based in Toronto, a team of 13 people now. We raised over a million dollars. We're looking to do our series A in, in October. So we're really, really kind of all, all hands on deck on that. Beyond that, though, I'm a speaker. I love speaking specifically around youth entrepreneurship as well as speaking on mental health and social media. And I'm a huge advocate for, for a number of different causes, one being mental health specifically. And that's why, whether it's on LinkedIn or Instagram, I try to preach a lot about how to manage a business, especially if you're a young entrepreneur, while also managing your social life and everything else around that. So how do you do it? How do you manage what you've got going on right now with the life that you want to be living as well? I mean, what's, what's the secret recipe? For those who don't know, Swish was 20 under 20. He's traveling all over the world, signed with multiple speaking bureaus. He's clearly a successful entrepreneur. He's doing what many of us dream to do, and yet that balance can still be tough to achieve. Is that safe to say? 100%. And honestly, like even today, I just got back from a two-week trip in Asia where I was in China and India, and I looked back at, at what I've done, especially over, over, over there for TrueFan, and I felt, all right, the balance was way too weighted against TrueFan. Like I was taking some great meetings for our company, but all of the daily tasks that I need to get done, whether that's checking in with my team or doing email, I wasn't doing that as much as I'd like to. So that's where like, I think the big thing about structuring your life is there's no way you're going to architect something before the week can be gone. Because if you try as much as possible to put yourself into a regimented schedule, A, you're going to hate it. But B, later on in the week, something unexpected is going to come and totally shift that entire schedule. The real question is, are you able to adapt? And are you able to check in with yourself at very specific moments throughout the week to really take the conscious effort of figuring out, all right, cool, am I devoting my time to things that are actually meaningful to me? whether that's personal or professional. Okay, so I am in full agreement, but let's pick this apart a little bit because you're going against the agenda, the calendar, the five-year plan, mm -hmm. the strategic mm -hmm. vision of, yep. of everything. Yep. I've got, hypothetically, I've got 121 emails. I've got my boss who wants me in a new meeting at one o'clock today and I've got to pick up my kids at 4.30 when they're finished daycare after school. How do I have this flexibility to check in with myself to create this sense of freedom to be able to live more of what you're speaking about? Definitely. And by the way, the, the first two are very relevant for me right now. Like I literally have 117 unread 
and I have a meeting with our managing partner, the VC that just came into our last round 45 minutes from now. So, like, <laughs> I get it. I totally empathize with what you guys are talking about. But for me, honestly, the big shift in my life has come about six months ago, where now I'm actually an early riser. And I find that to be really effective. Like getting up at 6 a.m. where that email isn't going to be flooded, where my phone isn't going to be buzzing, and just taking in 30, 45 minutes while I'm eating breakfast to go through what I need to get done for the day. It's not about regimenting it into a set schedule, right? Like I have a calendar as well. But I think we can all relate to the idea of calendars going haywire. And when things go haywire, the real question is, are you able to adapt? And when you adapt, you figure out what your priorities are. And those priorities aren't going to be put into a calendar. It's going to be put into a separate document that you need to take the conscious effort every morning, every night, whenever that sweet spot is for you to update. What's your key to being more adaptable? I mean, life happens. I think we can end that with a hard period. And, you know, it's more about mm-hmm. how your reaction happens than what it is itself that happens. So how have you over the last few years become more adaptable than say you were half a decade ago? For sure. I think, I think the three things that I've done personally is one, trust my teammates. Um, that goes very, very, uh, I think it's just cliche for sure, but it's harder said than done in my team because a lot of times, especially if you're an entrepreneur, you tend to have a big ego, you tend to have a lot of confidence and drive because you're pursuing something that maybe someone's never done before. But with that also comes a bit of arrogance where you feel like you're the only one that can complete that task with that capable capability. So for me, it's really been about taking a step back, A, delegating work out to other people, but B, really trusting that if I'm going through a really shitty week, other people will step up and they can cover for me. And that's been a huge thing, especially as we're growing our team, is finding those people that are really loyal to not only the company, but to myself, to the other team members we have currently on board. The second thing I think is really when I put together my priorities list, I only have about three priorities in a week. So I think some people, when they put together a priority list, it ends up being a list of like 20 things, which you're probably not going to get 20 things done in a week. You know, unless you're Elon Musk and you have a private jet, you can fly from SF to wherever in like four hours, right? So I think the big thing you got to do is concentrate on both personal and professional, mix that together because your priorities there need to be put together. What are the three things you absolutely need to get done, right? So for me this week, number one is going to be creating a brand new deck that we can use to fundraise our Series A for TrueFed. Number two, call my mom because I literally did not call her for the last two weeks. And number three, go at least twice to the gym to work out. That's it. You know, and I feel better about myself at the end of the week because those are three very, like, measurable and achievable things that I can get done by the end of the week, as opposed to raise a million dollars, which some people put down and it's very hard to achieve that in a week and you start beating yourself up over time. Right. Well, if I can offer a suggestion, move number two to one, call mom first, and then I think yeah. I'll clear <laughs> Um, Thank you. A a lot of the listeners here are in HR, in talent attraction retention. We've got a lot of CEOs on the podcast. And something that struck me was number one around trust. When you're looking to build TrueFan, you said you've got 13 people on the team now. I I imagine we'll be expanding soon. How do you get people to know who you are, who the team is, and who the company is? I want to put them in three different buckets because who you are, who the team is, and what the team is doing might connect with different individuals. How do you try to connect all three to a prospective individual? And how do you get that message out there so that people know what they're signing up for, both on the personal and the professional Mm -hmm. side, 
before they step into the office on the first day of work? Great question. So there are two things there. One is when it comes to spreading the word about about what we do at TrueSan. Um, I'm very bullish about telling our team, guys, post on LinkedIn, post on Instagram, share what we're doing as much as possible. Like I really believe that if one day I'm lucky enough to be able to run a company of 400 to 500 people, even if you don't care about the industry that my company is focused within, you will hear about that company. Because I will make sure that every single employee in that 400 to 500 person team is sharing content on LinkedIn on a weekly basis, talking about the biggest wins and the biggest failures they've had this week. That's number one, is we're very transparent about talking about what's working and what's not working in any given week on social. Number two, though, is some of the things that we do in TrueFan I think are very cool. Um, Beyond just having like a retreat every month or so, one thing we like to do every Thursday is something called a paranoia session. And the paranoia session is an hour session where the entire team comes together. Even if you're not in Toronto, you will get on a call like our dev teams in Hamilton. They'll come on a call and they will share everything that's worrying them. Anything that is stressing them out, they will put it on the table. And I find that to be a great way, especially for a new hire, to relate to other people. Because I feel like the only way to effectively relate to people nowadays is by sharing your vulnerabilities, sharing things that you are scared of other people knowing. And when they get to know that, you're able to connect to them on a much deeper level. So for me, those paranoia sessions aren't just about growing the company and trying to get people to come up with some awesome, innovative ideas, but it's also about trying to get people to start being vulnerable with each other. What I'm hearing is that you are giving yourself and your team space and, you know, ensuring that they're safe as well. Um, you know, sharing these, sharing failures can be really difficult. Does it, does it start with you? Are you the first one that's speaking at these sessions? Yes, I used to be. I think the, the beauty about having a growing team is you kind of get to be like a, a weird old dad now when you come into meeting rooms and you see everyone else speaking and you're just sitting there like approving things really and that's all you do. Um, but nowadays, I think it's just, I think people are excited to come and just share like what's worrying them because it's almost like when you have a weekly session with friends where you feel like you can kind of tell them anything, that's where a lot of our conversations now have gone towards is just being able to sit together and know that there's pretty much like a no judgment zone. And more importantly, the worries and the failures that you're sharing, like I already know about them. You know, like right. this is not the first time that I'm hearing an employee talk about a failure they're going through because I already know about it. So it's not right. like you're getting fired. If you were going to get fired over that failure, you wouldn't even be in that session. You would have right. been gone by then, right? But right. these are failures that I think are important for other people to know so that they A, can learn from it, but B, again, they just feel like they can put their guard down a little bit during that hour, 45-minute session, and they can really share things that are bothering them. And a lot of times, our best ideas for product have come through those paranoia sessions where people have told us that, hey, this piece of customer feedback really bothered me. Like people really want more actionability on the platform. Can we take a look at messaging and maybe making it better across Twitter and Instagram and us being able to then take that to the product team and say, hey, can we figure this out? So then how do you act on these things? Because it's, I'm, I'm, I'm sh I'm, the answer I'm thinking is going to be something along the lines of what you're doing with your calendar. But then how often are you reprioritizing what true fans should be tackling next? on a weekly basis, every Thursday, right after the meeting? 
or is it even more often every day every every single day like i kid you not again as i as i was telling you i think even before the call eric my my role as a ceo has really changed over the last year and a half and i know it will change again in two three more years from now but you know where i was going and doing a lot of sales work and legal work and now doing like the financial statements and our projections i've gone now and I really started only doing three things, fundraising, hiring, and setting a core vision for the company. And that third thing, I have constantly thought about every single day on any flight, on any Uber. I think about, are we going down the right path? Is there a place we should really, really put the metal on? Because should we double down on this one area? Should we double down on maybe on cannabis? Maybe another area that we think is likely going to be more profitable for us going forward? Like, these are the things I think about on a daily basis. And sure, I definitely do think about them a lot more every Thursday because I then hear from other people and it's not just my head battling itself. But I think it's important as a CEO to think about that because what your vision for the company will change and it's good that it changes. Okay, and I agree. And how do you ensure that your team is on board with you as your vision for the company changes? The follow-up question is, how do you ensure that your investors are on board as your vision for the company changes? Great question. So I think my answer to both is actually the same, which is just trust. Like, I think the, the cool thing about what we've created at TrueFan is a team that generally trusts my judgment and my decision-making. Um, also noting that my judgment and my decision-making process is collaborative. I'm not dictatorial in the way that I come up with big decisions. I normally am talking to the head of marketing or head of sales, my co-founder, some of our key investors and trying to get their opinion. But from right. both an investor and an employee front, it's pure trust that, hey, I think Swish knows what he's talking about. He's probably done a due diligence on this idea. It's not a spontaneous thing that he woke up with after a night out drinking. This is something that he's really thought about and we should go along with it. Okay. So then you're on in an Uber or you're on a plane and you've got 10 hours in front of you, but you've got a lot of stuff on your mind, whether it's what you're going to be doing when you're home, what you're going to talk to your mom about when you call her and everything in between. What questions are you asking yourself to give yourself the time and space to be able to be really intentional about the direction of TrueFan? Because in the time that I've known you, TrueFan naturally, like every startup or every business in full force, is evolving. Yet it's those CEOs, it's those people in the business that give themselves time and space to intentionally make those decisions and carve out that time for themselves that are doing the best. So, so I'll ask it one more time. How are you giving yourself time and space to be asking these questions? And to get the answers, what questions outside of are we on the right path are you asking yourself to, to, to derive those answers? Yes, good question. I think, I think the first thing in terms of how I come up with that time is the weekends are very important to me, just like I think they are for everyone. But for me, my Saturday is spent from exactly 3 p.m. at the YMCA, the central YMCA in Toronto, to about 6 p.m. playing basketball. That is literally my form of meditation, is going out in the court, using my competitive energy for something totally different than business and laying it out on the court. So that's number one, because that sets me up then for my Sunday, which is normally spent by myself, having coffee at a Starbucks somewhere, and just going through everything that's happened this week and trying to dissect what's important and what's not for the following week. The second thing, though, in terms of the questions that I do ask myself, um, beyond just are we headed on the right path, is A, what is our core customer feedback this week? And I think that's something mm. really cool that you can especially do in a SaaS business is you can ask feedback at any point of time. 
because most of your clients aren't just one-off. They're on a monthly retainer where they're invested in your product in the same way that you are because they want to see your product evolve as well where they're getting more bang for their buck. So that sort of core customer feedback is something I, I very much look to when I'm trying to come up with what's next, especially on a product front. And the second thing I think is generally speaking, overall revenue, where are we seeing the most of it and how had that translated from last month to the previous month before that? Because for us right now, like we wouldn't have known that the two biggest areas that we should double down in being small business and the cannabis industry, we wouldn't have known about that had we not taken a look every single month at where our revenue was mainly coming from. And now that we right. know it's mainly coming within these two industries, every decision from marketing to sales to product can be oriented to try to double down in those areas if we want to, which that's one of the things I want to do past our series A. Right. Uh, amazing. What are you, what are you most excited about right now? Past the series A, I'm very excited to get my book out. It'll be on youth entrepreneurship. Uh, and that's going to be coming out later this year. Um, I believe the, the Amazon pre-order date is somewhere in November, mid-November. Um, so I'm really pumped about that. Because honestly, like the whole journey of True Fan is kind of put into that book as well. Like everything that I've learned from being an entrepreneur, managing my time, mental health, to creating a company, hiring people, raising money, it's everything's in that. Awesome. Well, I can't wait to submit my pre-order and take a copy. <laughs> is there anything else you want to share with us today? No, I'm really excited. This is probably, by the way, one of the most different podcasts I've done. Normally when I do a podcast, it's kind of the same generic question, but I really like how you're challenging me to go deeper there. Awesome, man. Well, listen, thanks so much for your time. It's really great to have you on the show. And man, I'm excited for you. I'm excited for this book. I'm excited for the Series A and I uh, really hope you keep me and everyone else up to date along the way. Swish, thanks so much for joining. For more podcasts, show notes, and to connect with our speaker today, visit erictermundi.com. That's E-R-I-C-T-E-R-M-U-E-N-D-E.com. And click the podcast tab. Thanks for listening.